Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast show. This is Life with Tina. I am super excited that you decided to hang out with me for a little bit today. So as you may know, if you follow our YouTube channel, which I know most of you do, we shared some pretty exciting news with you about a week or so ago. And that is that Joe and I have decided that we would like to try to have one more baby. So that's not as easy as it sounds because because Joe had a vasectomy about six years ago, five or six years ago. So in order for us to try to conceive, we actually have to go in and have a process done, a procedure that is called a vasectomy reversal. So that is really exciting. A lot has gone into that. After much prayer and much discussion, we have decided to go ahead and give it a shot and you know, see what the Lord has in store for us. We are very open to the fact that this may not be something that the Lord wants for our family. Maybe we're done having babies. I don't really know unless we try, but I am also, you know, we're very open to the fact that, you know, we kind of made that decision without consulting the Lord five or six years ago to have that vasectomy and to make it to where we can no longer have children. And I you know, talk to Joe and I definitely feel like we're in a place where we feel like that was a mistake. We feel like number one, we were so young. We thought we knew what we wanted back then, but things change and we did not consult the Lord with that decision. So we have consulted him about this decision to reverse the the vasectomy and we have Joe's surgery scheduled for July. So that is like super duper exciting. And I wanted to just chat with you guys a little bit about my thoughts on that, but Even more than the excitement of trying to um, grow our family a little bit more and have another Watson in the house, I wanted to share with you guys some of the other emotions that I've been feeling behind this decision as a wife and a mom. So that's what we're going to talk about today. My name is Tina. I'm the host of this podcast show and also the creator of the YouTube channel, Home Free Alaska, where we share from scratch recipes, homeschool life inspiration, and our homesteading journey with you. This podcast is a spinoff of our channel, a behind the scenes look into our life on the homestead. Raw and unfiltered, I share my thoughts on motherhood, marriage, our culture, and our spiritual pursuit as believers. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get on with today's show. So you guys know that I am pretty transparent here on our podcast. Um, I think it's really important to, at least with the genre that I've chosen for my podcast, just kind of sharing our life behind the scenes on the homestead, marriage, motherhood, all the things. I think it's important for people to know that they're not alone. I know the things that I share on this podcast, I can't be the only one uh, that's going through these things, right? And I think it's really crucial for people to know that they're they're not alone. There's someone else out there going through it. And if I can offer support, encouragement, or hope, then you know that is that's what my my goal is for this podcast. So I am aware that I share some pretty private things here, but I think that it's necessary and I think the things that we talk about are really important uh, to talk about because there are things that are going on in our culture and the wrong thing to do is to look the other way, sweep it under the rug, hide it behind the door and act like it's not there because it is there. And the best way to deal with it is just to deal with it. So you guys, if you have been following our podcast now for, you know, 
since the beginning or any length of time. You know that Joe and I have been married for quite a while. We're actually going on 23 years here in just a couple months. In August, we will hit 23. And we've got two beautiful children. Our daughter Lexi's 20 and our sweet little Parker is, uh, he is nine, almost 10 years old. So two children and that's all we've got. You guys, we have struggled with all the things that any other marriage has struggled with. All the things, right? Um, But something that is very significant to our marriage is the struggles with porn addiction and what that's done to the intimacy uh, in our marriage and how it has destroyed that in every fabric of, you know, what the Lord's covenant of marriage was for us. And we got married so young in high school and joined the military right out the gate and just you know, dealt with a lot of things. We were around a lot of bad influences, made some mistakes, things that obviously if we could go back now, we would change them, but we can't, right? We're on the other side of it and we look back and we just shake our heads and we're like, man, what was I thinking? Or look at that person I was hanging out with. They were just not a good human to be around. Um, So for me, the idea of pregnancy, when I, when I think of the addiction that Joe has struggled with and what that's done to our marriage and for me as a wife specifically, causing me to feel insecure, inadequate, not good enough, very unstable and never really knowing what was going to happen tomorrow, what's going to be around the corner. That's not a very fun way to live. And unfortunately, I've lived that way pretty much my whole life because I was raised by a single mom with four kids. Most of the time we were on welfare. None of our our daddies were around and we were evicted a lot, bounced from hotel to hotel to family member to family member. My whole childhood was very uncertain, very unstable. And my marriage was also uncertain and unstable because of the significance of the addiction that we were struggling with, right? Um, it's it's one of those things. You kind of, you know, whether you have a husband or a boyfriend that cheats on you, or let's say you have somebody that is physically abusive towards you, or, you know, anything like that. They're an obsessive gambler. They're on drugs, Right they make promises, promise after promise after promise that they're going to stop. They're going to be better. It's not you. It's me. I love you. All these things. And it's this very dark, sick, dysfunctional cycle that you can quickly get into where you keep believing them because you hope that they're telling the truth that time. You want it to work out. And most of all, you love them. So When those promises are broken over and over and over again, it causes such an insecurity and, you know, instability where you just don't really know what to expect. And unfortunately, for me, that played into every single decision that we ever made in our marriage, whether it was to get pregnant with Lexi, whether it was to get pregnant with Parker 10 years later right? We thought we were going to just have one kid. And then when Lexi was around nine or 10, I started feeling like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not done. Like I want one more, I think. And I would really like to try for a boy. I really wanted one of each. I thought that would be great. And the Lord blessed us with that. Um, but buying a house, 
moving, investing in something in our life, like all of these big life decisions were tainted by the addiction and the things that we struggled with because no matter how good things might have looked right at that moment in our life, in the back of my mind, in the back of Tina's head was always this thought of, well, what if I find him doing something again? What if You know, the last six months, eight months, I thought he was doing good. He told me he was doing good. And just to come to find out that there was betrayal still going on, like that was always in the back of my mind. And the other thing that was always in the back of my mind was at some point, Tina, enough has to be enough. Everybody's got their breaking point and it's different for everybody. But I knew after going through this with Joe and the struggle in our marriage for so long, 20 years, I knew that there would come a day when I would wake up and go, I cannot do this anymore. As much as I loved him, as much as I wanted him, I knew that if we kept going down the path we were on without real help and real transformation and real recovery, there would come a day where I would walk out the door and I would not look back. It was just a matter of time. So every decision we made, I was always fearful. I was never going into it with confidence and, you know, complete security thinking, yeah, we got this. No, every decision we made, I faked it till I made it basically, right? I never knew if I was going to end up a single mom. I never knew if we were going to end in divorce and have to sell our home and all the things that come with that tragedy because the addiction was still alive and very present in our marriage. And Satan had a hold on our marriage. He had a hold on Joe. He had a hold on our marriage. He even had a hold on me. And I've shared some things with you guys in another podcast, um, you know, about the truth shall set you free. That's the name of that podcast show, that episode where I shared some of the things that, you know, my mistakes and things that I've done that I wish I could go back and change. Neither one of us were perfect, right? Um, No one's perfect in in a marriage. And that's the other reason why I'm completely 100% comfortable sharing some of these private, intimate things with you because you're not perfect either, right? None of us are perfect. We all have something or some things in our past that we regret and we we would just die if anybody ever found out. So I'm completely comfortable sharing my skeletons because we all have them. Probably about two years ago, I started getting this feeling like, I really wish we did not get the vasectomy. And it's funny how things shifted. I used to be very career oriented. I was in the military climbing that advancement ladder, you know, doing the daycare thing with the kids all day. Someone else raised my babies. Um, Someone else raised Lexi. Uh, And then someone else was raising Parker until I decided to get out of the military and come home. He was about three or four years old at that time. But my life was very different I would say six, seven, eight years ago compared to what it is now. My outlook on motherhood, my outlook on education for my children, my outlook on, you know, the Lord and my relationship with him, and then my outlook on our marriage um, and the things that Joe and I have been doing this last year. So it's interesting how significantly that has shifted for us. So I just started thinking, children, are a blessing. I used to look at it 
sort of like, you know, a burden, an obligation. I loved my children. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved my children. I would jump in front of a train for them. And, you know, a lot of my thought process was I worked as hard as I did so that I could give my kids what I never had. But in reality, I was fooling myself because my kids wanted their mom. My children wanted my time. My children wanted me to be able to cuddle with them on a snow day in the morning or stay up and read them bedtime stories or take them to the zoo or, you know, just be able to spend time with them without being rushed and on this crazy routine because I was working a full-time job. So in my mind, it was like, give them a big house. We've got a nice car. I can buy this for them. We can do big Christmases, all these things. But it was like, none of that matters. Because at the end of the day, looking back now, my kids don't care about that stuff. They didn't care about it. They didn't care about the big, humongous, ginormous house we had that had a pool in the backyard that we should have never got because the mortgage was just absolutely ridiculous, right? The kids don't think about that. The kids don't think about the vehicles we drove. The kids don't think about the clothes that they were bought in sixth grade. The kids just don't think about that stuff. What they remember when they look back, and and I'm the same way with my mom actually, is the time that I was able to spend with them or the time I wasn't able to spend with them. So my mindset has shifted so much. I do not have the the desire to be a, a career mom. I really don't. Now, I am a realtor, right? And I have a business on the side and I do sell houses throughout the year uh, as they come from referrals and things. And I've been quite successful at that for the last eight years. But the nice thing with that business is it's flexible and I am able to put my family and God first. So I can schedule things at my convenience based on what's open on my schedule. So it's really worked out great and been an awesome way for me to add, um, you know, financially to our our household without it taking 90% of my time. And of course, I also run the YouTube channel and the podcast. So I do have time that's set aside for things that I love to do as a creator and also to bring in some extra income, but they are not the number one focus in my life. The number one focus in my life and has been for the last, I would say, four years is my family um, and our homestead, of course, and, and taking care of our children, schooling Parker and all the things. So it's just kind of interesting how quickly things change. So I started feeling like I wanted another kid. I wanted another baby. And I'm like, but that's not even possible because Joe had a vasectomy. How how would we ever do that? And then, of course, the fear of, oh, my gosh, it's going to require this conversation with Joe. And it's kind of like when you go to your husband, you're like, babe, I want to buy a dairy cow. (laughs) Right. I remember that conversation when I told Joe I wanted to buy a cow or I wanted to sell everything we had and go buy this piece of land and build a farmhouse on it. And all these crazy ideas that I have, it's kind of like you got to like get your bullet points down and get your thoughts straight and then, you know, get them in a really good mood and then sit them down and go, so anytime Joe hears me say that, he's like, oh Lord, here we go again. Tina's got another bright idea, right? 
So I did go to him about two years ago, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, and this was actually just before we started working with our counselor that I've been sharing with you guys that we've been working with now for, oh my goodness, it's almost a year that we've been working with this counseling center. This counseling center specializes in sex addiction. I have shared this with you guys on previous podcasts and put links in the uh, show notes for you to an amazing uh, counseling center here in Virginia Beach, Virginia that we've been working with. And there's also one with another uh, counselor psychiatrist in Colorado. But when I started having these feelings of like, I don't want to be done. I think I want another baby. Joe and I were still very much in the thick of the addiction and the cycle of we're all better. We made up. He made a promise. Oh, now it's bad. I found something again. Like it was just this cycle of, are we going to get a divorce? Are we going to stay together? Is this whole thing going to work out? Like we were very much in the thick of that. And so I was so conflicted, you guys. I was torn because it was like, dang it. I just want to live my freaking life. I just want to live my freaking life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to be able to be like, yeah, let's go buy a house. Yeah, let's have another baby. Yeah, let's go start a homestead. Yeah, let's move to Alaska. Yeah, let's do all these things without the dang negative voices in my head telling me, oh, no. And you know who that is. That's Satan. Satan is always back there going, oh, remember what he did last time? Oh, y'all aren't probably going to make it. Oh, you guys' marriage isn't strong enough. Oh, it's Satan causing doubt constantly. But I was so conflicted because I, I was going through that with Joe, but I had this severe desire to have another baby. And, uh, So I decided to talk to Joe about it about a year and a half, two years ago. We talked about it and Joe expressed pros and cons that he felt. I expressed pros and cons that I felt. Uh, He did say that he would be willing to do a vasectomy reversal, but that was right before we sold the one acre homestead property and moved into this temporary apartment until we leave for Alaska in four months this fall, right? So it was like the timing was awful. Like with the procedure like that, you need at least two to three weeks recovery time. We were going to be moving, packing up a trailer, moving into the apartment, moving my nampa in over here with us in the apartment complex. It was way too much going on. Like it was like, okay, here's something I, I'm thinking. I wanted to bring it to your attention so we can kind of put it on the back burner, but I want to come back and readdress this at some point because that point in our life, it was just not the time to do it. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like also thinking of the, the, you know, ticking clock that I've got going. I was 39 years old, 38, 39 years old, right? And the culture would have us believe that once you hit 35 or later, um, <laughs> the chances of you getting pregnant are less and the the chances of you having complications with the pregnancy or issues with the baby are higher according to the doctors and the culture. So that was also weighing on my mind. And I kind of felt like, man, if we're going to do this, we need to do it now. I don't want to have a baby at 48 years old or 50. So we got settled here in the apartment and I of course, brought the topic back up with Joe again once things were settled. And what's amazing, you guys, is we have been doing bi-weekly sessions with our counselor for a year. We have been doing bi-weekly group couples sessions for 
about six months now, four to six months. And we also attended a three-day intensive counseling session with our counselor back in February. I shared that with you guys on the podcast episode, The Truth Shall Set You Free, right? Um, intense three days of going through the past, both of us, betrayals, disclosure, full disclosure, upfront, and then also... Uh, Joe took a polygraph test with a certified polygraph examiner to back up what was on his full disclosure. And that disclosure was for all time, like from the time he was a child, like anything that he could remember, Um, just trying to get to the root of the cause of the addiction that he was struggling with. So that was intense. I mean, there's a reason they call it an intensive because emotionally, and physically, I was zapped, and so was Joe. It took it all out of us. Many, many tears happened in those three days. But since that happened, I have seen this shift in Joe. And I'm really going to try not to get emotional. <laughs> I have seen something in him that I've never seen in our entire marriage. I'm seeing change. I'm seeing actual on purpose, change. One foot in front of the other, action steps, promises kept for once, not broken. Accountability. And it has just rocked my world. It's given me a sense of security and stability and confidence that I've never had in my life because I have told Joe, I love my life. My life, in my opinion, is perfect. The Lord has blessed us financially. We have a home. We have running vehicles. We have whatever we need when we need it. We've got food in the refrigerator. We've got healthy children. We're healthy. The Lord has blessed us tremendously. I could not want for anything else but for my marriage to be on a road to recovery. And I just never thought we were going to get there, you guys. Like, I thought either I was going to end up alone divorced, or I was going to end up 85 years old sitting in a rocking chair next to this man that never changed. And I've wasted my life waiting for him to change. And that was so scary. So Joe has been attending his counseling sessions, doing his check-ins with me. There's some other boundaries and things that we've put into place like Uh, restrictions on his phone with internet and just some things to help him with the overwhelming temptation that every man and every boy and a lot of cases women are struggling with with the things on the TV, the things on social media, the things on the billboards, the things you see walking down the beach. I mean, It's just this over-sexualized society that we live in. And so for a man who is very visually stimulated to try and walk the straight and narrow and love his wife and only his wife and want for his wife and only his wife, it is close to impossible, if not impossible, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you don't know his word, or at least you're not in it every day trying to learn it. And if you don't have a community and a support system there to help you with the skills to get through the temptations and the struggles. So I've just seen this massive change in him. And it's been about four months since that three-day intensive. And we actually have a one-day 
follow-up intensive coming up in June. And uh, that's just kind of like a check-in to see where we're at and also to do a follow-up polygraph examination. So I know it might sound crazy to some of you, but I would have to say if it sounds weird to you that we're doing the polygraphs for Joe and all that, then you are probably not someone that's married to someone with an addiction. With an addiction, there are lies, there are betrayals, there are, um, it's sneaky, it's dark. And the problem with sexual addiction, whether it's physically acting out with other people or it's pornography and fantasy, that is a really hard addiction to pick up on in a lot of instances. Because if you're married to an alcoholic, when they come home drunk, you can smell it on their breath. They're they're slurring their speech, they're stumbling around, it's very clear that they've been drinking, right? With someone that is addicted to sex or porn, that's really hard to tell. I mean, there's things you can pick up on, right? If there's disconnect in the intimacy and the relationship and things like that, but there's no way to physically look at your husband and go, oh, you were looking at porn today. Mm-hmm, I knew it. Like, you just don't know that. So there's a lot of deception, easy deception there. So the polygraph, after 20 years of this cycle, the polygraph is so essential, not just for me, but for Joe. And I, I will tell you guys, The biggest thing that Joe has told me is he feels like as hard as that full disclosure and that three-day intensive with that initial polygraph was for him, I mean, he had to he had to divulge things to not just me, but our counselor and then also the certified polygraph examiner. Some things that were completely embarrassing for him, things that he was ashamed of. And he's been carrying the shame for all these years. And Satan loves that. He was entangled in that shame. So when all that went down, Joe was like, I feel free. I feel so free. Like I have no more secrets. I have no more shame. I have nothing else holding me back from being the best person that I can be. The best husband, the best father that he was always capable of. But Satan was holding him down with this addiction and it made him feel horrible. So this freedom that Joe has found has just moved him in a way that I've never seen before. And so I felt confident enough to come to him and say, what are you thinking about having another baby now? You know, like I feel like we are finally on the road that we should be on, the path to recovery that we were meant to be on. And we have so much support from other couples, from our couples group that are going through the same things, our counselor, our church. We have so much support that we're not alone in this anymore. And that's the other thing. Satan wants us to be isolated. He wants us to be alone and isolated so that number one, we're depressed and just hating our lives, but we feel like we can't reach out for help. And with sexual addiction, that's embarrassing right? It's it's almost easier to reach out and go, you know, I think I'm drinking too much. I, I think I might have a drinking problem versus saying, I have a problem looking at pornography and masturbating behind my wife's back. Or I did this and I did X 10 years ago. Or I have this funky fetish or whatever it is. That is really, really a vulnerable place 
So Satan uses this sex addiction that is so widespread, not just in our country, but the entire world, to entrap these people because it's such a dark, intimate, secretive sin and addiction. So I started praying really hard and I told the Lord, like, I don't want to let Satan steal our future the way that he stole our past. You guys, he stole our past. He did. He stole our past. Every memory I have, every home video, every picture, everything is riddled with Yes, good memories, right? It wasn't all bad. And we had two beautiful children. We've got to travel with the military. And no, it wasn't all bad. But for me, every time I look at a picture or a home video, I'm reminded of, oh yeah, that was the house where I found this. Whatever. Like there are memories, bad memories that trigger me in every place that we've ever lived. So When I look at Christmas photos of the kids or I look at a trip that we took, there's things that happened acting out and things that happened in those places on those trips that was disclosed to me at our three-day intensive with the polygraph that instantly trigger me. And instead of feeling happiness and excitement of the picture of our beautiful children at Christmas time, I'm reminded of what happened behind the closed doors at that place that we lived. And it steals that memory. It's tainted forever. It steals that memory. And so we can't change the past. There is nothing we can do about the past. But we can change the future. It takes a conscious decision. And it takes the Lord on your side helping you because you can't do it alone. It is really hard. So I started thinking about this, this uh, desire that I have to have another baby. And I'm like, I don't want to feel that fear that I've always felt before with every decision we made in our marriage. I don't want to be scared to do these things that normal married people should be able to do and not be afraid of them. Satan stole our past. I don't want to give him our future. And that is no way to live if you're living every day of your life scared about what's going to happen, what's around the corner. That's no way to live. So I came to Joe and I told him, like, I want another baby. You know, and it's a crazy thought, right? I get it. It's a little crazy. It's not, it is not the typical situation. Like we didn't get married and have three kids right off the bat that are all, you know, a couple years apart from each other. No, Our life, y'all, just turned out the way it did. No rhyme or reason. We got married so young, we didn't have a plan. You know, we got married and we're like, oh, next thing to do, now we're supposed to have a baby. So we had Lexi. (laughs) And 10 years later, I decided that, you know, I really wanted another one. And I came to Joe and, and talked to him about that. And then there came Parker. So it's funny, though, because we have 10 years between our kids. There's a 10 year age gap between Lexi and Parker. And if, God willing, we are successful getting pregnant with this third baby. There would be about a 10-year age gap or more uh, between Parker and this new baby. So it's interesting. And I was joking on my YouTube video about this. Like, the Lord knows me. I think he knew he couldn't give me three little kids at the same time because, you know, I might go a little crazy. He was like, we got to space them out for Tina. So we're going to do one baby and then 10 years later another one. And then 10 years later, we're going to give her one more. (laughs) So, uh 
I don't know, but I just decided like I, Satan will love nothing more than to destroy our marriage. Satan will love nothing more than for us to not have any more children. Because what does the Lord say about having children, you guys? The Lord says children are arrows and the man that has a quiver full of them, he is blessed. Our children are like arrows. We raise them up with the foundation of Christ. And then we shoot them out into the world once they're older to impact the world and to bring as many souls to Christ as they can. That is our mission. That is our sole purpose for being on this earth. Be fruitful and multiply, the Lord says. Raise your children up properly and then shoot them out into the world to impact and to bring people to me. That is our only purpose on this earth. Scripturally speaking, as a Christian, it's not to have the biggest house. It's not to see how far you can climb on that ladder at work. It's not It's not to have the best car. It's not to have all this money. None of that. All of that fades away. And at the end of the day, when I'm 85, 90 years old, sitting in my rocking chair, I'm not going to give a damn about the car I used to drive. I'm not going to care about any of that stuff. I'm going to have the memories in my heart that no one can take from me of my family, my marriage, my babies, the pitter-patter down the hall, stepping on the Legos, all the things, right? And then, oh, I wonder if the kids are coming this year for Thanksgiving. I can't wait to see my grandbaby. Like, family is all that matters. So I just had such a strong conviction about it. And there was definitely concerns um, on both mine and Joe's part, you know, I am 40 now. I just turned 40 in May. And so I'm like, can I even get pregnant? You know, uh, all these things, right? That, 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 that society is telling us. But I'm like, you know what? The Lord made my body the way he made my body for a reason. And if the Lord wants me to get pregnant and have another child, then that's what's going to happen. The Lord determines our path, right? Not the culture. And people do it all the time. You've got women having babies at 40, 45, 50, 55, and even older, which I would never want to have children that old, right? But um, 40, I'm still young. I feel healthy. I feel good. I eat good. I work out. I'm active. Um, and I... As a mom and a woman, there's never been a better time in my life where I felt like I knew what I wanted more than now. I'm homeschooling Parker. We just finished our fourth year homeschooling. That's been a journey and the biggest blessing of my life is bringing my son home and educating him with a godly curriculum. It's been amazing to see him grow and become the amazing little human that he is. And I feel like My calling is motherhood. My calling is homeschooling my children. My calling is, you know, raising up these children for the Lord and sending them out. And I just feel like that's where my purpose is. My purpose isn't trying to climb the ladder in the military anymore. My my purpose isn't, isn't what the culture says our purpose should be as mothers, you guys. And I am not saying that you shouldn't have a job. You heard me say earlier in the podcast, I'm a realtor. I'm a YouTube content creator. I definitely have time during the week that's spent on those things. So I'm not saying you can't have a job, but this idea that being a mother and being home and and being a stay-at-home wife and mom and taking care of the home and your children is is like crazy. Like, oh, you're just a stay-at-home mom. That whole idea 
is absolutely horrible. It is actually one of the most hardest jobs there is. It's very hard. It's very rewarding though. So here we are four months away from hopefully retiring from the military. You guys know we're still dealing with the vaccine mandate issue. Um, Joe just got his religious exemption denial appeal back because they denied his, did I say that right? Maybe there's too many words in there. I don't know. Religious exemption was denied and then we appealed it and he just got the denial to his appeal back last week. So um, we've got just a few short months before retirement. So I'm hopeful that we're going to make it and the Lord's going to look out for us. But we're going to Alaska to our beautiful 15 acre property, this adorable little cabin to live the rest of our lives free. Joe's not going to be working. He'll be retired. I'm not going to be working. I'm not going to continue doing real estate. We've got my YouTube channel and we're, we're set with Joe's pension alone. And the, the money that I make off of our YouTube channel, we can live comfortably. So I'm like, this is like the best time for us to have another baby. We have the time to spend with this child that, you know, we didn't even get to spend with Parker. Unfortunately, Lexi grew up her whole life in public school, was a latchkey kid, did the daycare thing. I worked her entire life. Parker, it was only until he was about three or four, and then I came home and started homeschooling him. So he's really, he doesn't even really remember that whole working mom daycare life because he was too little. Parker just knows me as being home with him. And that's what I want for this baby as well. So the biggest thing is, you know, it's all in the Lord's will. If he wants it to happen, it's going to happen. And he never makes mistakes. So there's a reason for everything, right? And I don't know... Um, this whole this whole desire and this whole driving passion that I have to having another baby, it's like I go to bed, I'm thinking about it. I wake up, I'm thinking about it. I'm driving around, I'm thinking about it. It's like sometimes you have to just go, okay, like maybe the Lord is giving you a nudge. Like don't ignore that. So it's not impossible to have more children, even if you've had a vasectomy. And I'm going to be taking you guys on that journey with us. I'm going to be videoing everything for the YouTube channel, uh, Joe's procedure, the recovery. Um, we will officially be able to start trying in August of this year, 2022. Joe will be recovered. So, you know, by the grace of God, if we conceive right away by next summer in Alaska on the homestead, we will have another baby Watson. So who knows? It's all in the Lord's hands, right? He's got the whole world in his hands, right? But I'm excited. And the biggest thing that I just wanted to say and get across to you guys, um, not just about us trying to have another baby, it was really the emotional side of it that I was going through and the struggle of our past. And almost giving in to Satan and saying, you know, I'm just, we're done. We, we don't need to have any more kids. We don't even know where we're going with our marriage. Things are never perfect. But the, the reality is, you guys, just like buying a house, having a baby, like there's never a perfect time to do it. <laughs> there's never a perfect time to buy a house. There's never a perfect time for these things. And so you kind of have to just jump in there with a lot of prayer and just know that in the end, it always works out. And if it's in the Lord's will, it's going to happen. So I definitely had a very clear conviction that I did not want to let Satan 
steal my future because he has stolen our past from us. And we're on the road to recovery from this addiction. Um, Is it going to be perfect? Probably not. Are there going to be bad days? There are bad days. Um, There are days that I'm triggered by memories and I'll see something, I'll hear something, I'll watch something on TV that will make me think of something. And then like my mood goes from like sky high down to the ground within seconds. And I struggle at times to pull myself out of those moods. But that's why we have our counselors and giving us the skills to help us get through those moments. So by no means is it going to be perfect, but Joe is really trying and I am really trying. And our biggest desire is for our marriage to work. We, neither one of us have the desire of walking away from our marriage. We're best friends. And I feel like if we can get through the things we've gone through in our marriage, we can conquer the world. I I seriously feel like I could walk through fire with Joe. We know each other so well. And because of the struggles we've had, I think our marriage is even stronger today than it would have been if we had never gone through all the stuff that we've gone through. So it hurts. The past hurts, right? It is like super painful. But I think that the future is going to be beautiful because of the past. So I wanted to just read a couple verses to you guys in closing. And I was really looking at like the Lord, you know, God's forgiveness and what he says about forgiveness. And I think this kind of plays into like not just Joe's past, but my past and what the Lord says about forgiveness. Like we cannot continue to carry the things from the past into the future. And a lot of times, you guys, that's what we're doing. Like we've already prayed and asked God for forgiveness, but then we haven't forgiven ourselves. So it's like, it's almost like saying, you know what, God, like you're just not good enough. Like, thanks for telling me that you forgive me and stuff. But like what I did was just too bad. It's it's too much. And I'm just going to go ahead and carry that with me. Thank you. Like that's basically what we do all the freaking time. And the Lord tells us, no, when you ask for forgiveness and you're truly repentful, the Lord forgives. So the first one is 1 John 1, 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The next one is Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Who am I? to hold on to these grudges against Joe for betrayals in the past when I have also betrayed him. And if the Lord has forgiven Joe, who am I to keep holding these sins in front of his face and reminding him every day about the mistakes from the past? I wouldn't want him to do that to me. And he doesn't. (laughs) I always, I'm like, dang, Joe, you make this look so easy. But I just feel like the Lord is like, who are you? Like, if you have a problem with someone, go to them. You need to forgive each other just as I have forgiven you. Like, we are wretched sinners. We are wretched sinners. We don't, we do not deserve God's blood on the cross. We don't deserve that at all. But he gave it to us anyway because he loves us so much. Psalm 103.12 says, and I love this one, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Like, that's pretty far. You know what I'm saying? Like the east and the west. And I say that all the time. Like, I always say that to myself. As far as the east from the west, 
as far as the east is from the west, the Lord has taken our transgressions from us. So the Lord's like, you're the one holding on to this. You're the one carrying this baggage and letting it weigh you down because I've already forgiven you. It's gone. It's done. It never happened. I've thrown it from the east to the west. As far as from the east to the west, it's gone. But yet here we are still carrying it with us. Why do we do that to ourselves? And the last one is Romans 3.23. And you guys have probably heard this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is just a verse that is always, you know, available in my mind because that's another reason, like I was just sharing in the beginning of the podcast, why I do this podcast and I am so transparent. It's because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us are are blameless. Not one of us are without sin. And I told Joe, after what he went through on that three-day intensive, disclosing the things he did, the tears that were shed, if there was ever a doubt in my mind as to whether Joe loved me or not, that doubt was taken away in that moment. When he read the paper that the counselor had him write with all of the things for the disclosure, I literally saw his hand shaking. I could see his heart pounding through his shirt. And there were there has been several times that Joe has said, Tina, it would have been easier to walk away. And you guys know Joe doesn't talk very much, but he has literally said that to me. Like it would have just been easier for me to walk away. So for him to be so vulnerable and to sacrifice himself that way, to show me how much he loves me and to surrender to God, to surrender this addiction, finally, his past, his mistakes, the shame, to surrender it all to God and just lay himself out on the floor and say, I give it all to you. For him to do that, you guys, It was the most beautiful display of sacrifice and love that I could ever ask from him. And so who am I to say, I'm not going to stick around and try. I'm thanks for that, but I'm good. I'm going to go now that I have all this information and I know what really happened. You know, I knew the surface level stuff was going on for 20 years, but now that I know there's all this other stuff, it's just too much. And I'm I'm just going to go. We're going to have to get a divorce. That would be horrible. He loved me enough to do what he did. And now I need to love him enough to stand by him for better or for worse. Because that's the promise we made on August 14th, 1999. For better or for worse. You know, marriage is not easy. There are definitely uh, reasons to not stay in a relationship. I personally would never expect someone to stay where there's a dangerous situation and they're being abused. The Lord only calls for one justifiable reason in the Bible for divorce, and that's adultery. So to say, well, you know, he just, he doesn't love me the way he did when we first got married, and it's just not as exciting, and he always leaves his boxers on the bathroom floor. And those, my friends, are not reasons to divorce your husband. Now, the culture would have you think that it is. The culture is all about this self-love, right? And if you're just not feeling happy and fulfilled, well, guess what, sister? Your fulfillment is not supposed to come from your husband. Your fulfillment is supposed to come from the Lord. 
Yes, there are ways your husband can fulfill you, but your fulfillment should come from the Lord. So I am just really excited about sharing this journey with you guys. I just wanted to chat with you for a little bit about it and also just kind of like emotionally some things that kind of the thought process I was having and what I've been thinking uh, since I've brought this topic up to Joe and we've made this decision. And I just want to encourage you, don't let Satan steal your future if he's already stolen your past because he's going to try right? He is an opportunist. And the Bible tells us that Satan is here to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his only mission. So it's a conscious effort and it's not easy to say, okay, the past is the past, but that doesn't have to be my tomorrow. And then take the action steps to make sure that the future doesn't look like the past, right? And it's not easy. It's freaking hard. (laughs) But family, love, and God makes it possible. All right, you guys, I'm going to go for now. If you are not following me on social media or on our YouTube channel, you can find us at Home Free Alaska. That's our Instagram and Facebook handle, and that's also the name of our YouTube channel. So we post a video every week over on the YouTube channel. So head over there, subscribe, so you can get notified whenever we post a video. And I'm super excited because as of the date of this recording, we are like less than 100 subscribers away from hitting 40,000 subscribers. What? (laughs) That is so exciting. When I started this channel in 2018, I never would have imagined that we would have grown so big. And I love our YouTube family. I love each of you. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful uh, that the Lord has blessed us with this. It's just been so fun. So check out the YouTube channel and come find me over on social media. In the meantime, you guys stay blessed and take care of yourself. And I'll see you guys on the next show.